Hello and welcome to another edition of Pioneer Pigskin, the Utah, State of Utah College football show here on the End Zone Podcast, uh, network of podcasts. Wow, Austin, this feels like just, uh, just yesterday we were sitting here in August talking about uh, UConn, Utah State. Yep. And look at it now. This and looking is, at UConn had a season of dreams, and yeah. uh, I think I like to think that maybe our our scathing criticism of, the, of them ahead of their game against uh, Utah State, you know, propelled them into the success they've had this year. I'd, I'd like to think that at least. Absolutely, that's a nice thing to think. Um, uh-huh. I'll, I'll tell you what I am. I always feel conflicted at the end of the year. Am I? Happy, the busiest nightmare schedule time of the year is over. Absolutely. That that seems like this week will be busy as all get out. As you know, it is the busiest week in sports media, I believe. Um, so much going on. But hey, we got it. We're here almost next week. The last official week of the college football season but hey good news for us we will get some bowl games it that's appears, true it appears all three teams from the state of utah at the fps level will be playing in some bowl games so where where do we want to start here austin I- um let's go least boring to most interest or least boring uh most boring to most interesting i think um and okay. i'll let you make that call most boring let's talk about byu um listen this game was so weird uh the first half you'd swear utah tech was basically like texas right or or, or somebody or or like picker never really like tcu or, or you know prime tennessee this year like that's how good that offense looked at points throughout the first half they absolutely demolished byu especially through the air i believe in the first half they had about 250 yards passing uh-huh um their wide yeah, receivers they had, uh, they had let's see they scored on an 80 yard uh bomb i think it took three plays the their their first possession of the second quarter, uh, touchdown from by Devin Osborne, and then yeah, continued success through the air um, for Utah Tech in the first half. Yeah, but BYU, you know, eventually bowed up, started to play some real defense, and uh, ended up winning the game. Journal a great day for him, draft prospect wise, against kind of an FCS type team like this or division two or whatever you want to call Utah tech, um, 456 yards, five touchdowns. That's what you want to see. If you're considered an NFL draft prospect last few weeks, we talked about it a few weeks ago. You know, this season is about getting Jaron Hall ready as a draft prospect. And I got to ask you, Austin, from, When we talked about that, which I would imagine was somewhere after the Arkansas game Uh to now, how would you grade 
Jaron Hall's second half of the season? Uh, I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, comparatively, he was much hotter to start the year, right? I think he had uh pretty astounding statistics to start the year, and I, you know, I it was it the story of Jaron Hall is a lot like the story of BYU overall for the season. I think you know, just it was kind of like an, an upside down bell curve where you know he's I think he started so hot. They they had a huge midseason slump, losing I think four in a row, and I I think Hall's performance you know definitely wasn't great in some of them. I I think he he definitely played well enough to keep BYU in certain games. You know he definitely uh, had a good outing against East Carolina. He was decent against Arkansas. Um, I thought he was not good against Liberty, but I think that was the game we talked about where he looked probably the most injured he had been all year. So I guess you can give him a pass there. But I, I guess if I had to if I had to grade Jaron Hall's performance of the year, I, I I like I said I would give it that upside down bell graph kind of kind of look, and you know it, you know what it, at, at the end of the day like if you're a draft prospect, um and it seems like he is it seems like that was probably his last game at uh Lavelle Edwards Stadium, um you know you want to get your your best um your best tape I guess you could say at the end of the year and it, it seems like he's gonna be able to do that. It's a fair point. Um, what a weird, just a weird, weird, up and down, just totally inconsistent year uh, for Chris Brooks, who looked great in this game, averaged close to seven yards a carry, uh, if I'm doing my math right. Like, what a weird season it's been for Chris Brooks. Some weeks he doesn't show up and very respected media pundits in this market say he's not running hard enough. And other weeks he goes out and he averages like seven yards a touch and puts on performances where you're like, wow, where, where is this guy like most of the time? Like he, he just seems like a very, very up and down runner. You know, it's funny. Utah's kind of had this the same issue with Tavion Thomas. Um, and, you know, I think there's been a lot of speculation in the media about what Thomas has been up to. But, if, I mean, the, the parallels are, are kind of there. If you if you look at him and Chris Brooks, you know, I mean, Brooks will have a, a game, you know, as you said, where he averages, you know, seven, eight yards a carry. Other games, he he's not even a part of the game plan, seemingly. And, uh it, it, I guess it it is kind of interesting that both teams have had inconsistency from their their lead running back position. Yes, that's absolutely true. But apologies for my delayed responses. I am currently uh, Eric's half half awake. Everybody now, okay? I'm, Eric, I'm... Eric, Eric's up late producing. Well, he didn't do this last night, but he he's typically up late. Producing sports radio entertainment for everybody to enjoy. It's a lot of pressure. He works crazy hours. He doesn't get paid well enough. I, I, I'm aware of this as a fact. So please be patient with Eric today, everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just like slowly hoping that I'm getting my last days of dying out of the way today just because mm -hmm. the rest of the week is crazy. So I'm like hacking up phlegm in between yeah, each of, each of these like button or, or non sequiturs, which uh, I know the audience didn't need to know, but 
listen, I like to paint myself as something of a warrior poet. So like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'd call you too. So, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a good time to be alive. Um, Once again, let me just uh, play my favorite game. How many sacks did BYU have? You want to guess? I don't even know the answer. I'm going to guess one. Zero. Oh, great. Well, zero sacks. Yeah. Classic BYU, zero sacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see here. Three tackles for loss. Oh, my God. That's just like one of the worst. (laughs) That's just terrible. Um, Quarterback pressures. Let's see here. Two. Almost a Golston. If you're not familiar with what a Golston is, um, Austin, it's named after famous, I believe, Saints pass rusher Marcus Golston, who often yeah. finished, uh, who one time finished a game with no sacks and no quarterback pressures, which oh. if you're familiar with the stat of quarterback pressures, it is insanely hard not to get a quarterback pressure. If you're like, a well, it's, it's actually lineman. not hard. You just stand up when they snap the ball and you don't move. It's that's, it's actually pretty easy. Right. But, yeah, I mean, the hard that, part is like, is like somehow deceiving your coaches into not noticing. Right. That's the hard part, but I guess first execution, it's very easy. I guess that is true. So the whole BYU team got a Golston. So not 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 great. Um well almost a Golston. One guy got one pressure. So that that was that was nice. Uh BYU. I mean is there anything else we really need to add about this game? I mean, I, I feel like no. we don't need to go too in depth on on Utah Tech. No, I mean I mean for one, who would care? And and, and if, if anyone does care, I, I wouldn't want to meet them. You know, they that's just a level of dorkiness that I just am not open to appeasing. Uh, but I, I think we can just close and, and like maybe summarize our thoughts. Like I I, I think Jaron Hall's probably going to the NFL. I also okay. read something interesting today that is seems like it's a lot of people think Puka Nakua could also um, you know, go pro. I think to me you couple that with the in the the inconsistency and and the bad play on defense especially against an offensive line that i'm guessing is not very good in utah techs um and byu is headed into a buzzsaw next year when they play in the big 12 i think you know that's the theme we've been harping on and i i don't feel any less secure saying that I think that those are both excellent points. Let's talk about Utah State. Sure. I don't know if you caught any of this game, but it was absolutely wild. As yeah, are I read, yeah, I was. I, I've read that, yeah. As are most games that Utah State plays in this year. See, the the thing is, and we talked about this last week a little bit. They're just like not great, so they play really well at points, but they have a hard time sustaining it through 60 minutes of football. And they almost blew this thing. They almost, they tried really hard to lose this game, but they hold on. The defense shows up. It's an, you know, it's an ugly win in the end, but the defense shows up and kind of drags them through. And honestly, to me, that's one of the most unsung things about Utah state that I don't think we've talked about enough in in these shows over the past few months is the defense is just really good the defense every week comes out and holds teams this was probably the most points they've given up let me just 
check the schedule here. I believe this may have been the most points they've given up in like. Well, but this might interest you, Eric. They they all well. Oh, never mind. I, I was gonna say they almost threw a, a Goldstein, um, on defense, but they ended up with with five sacks. Sorry, Gold, but it, Gold, Goldstein, I believe. Goldstein, is, whatever. Mar- Goldstein Marcus Goldstein, a little more exotic. Um, but okay. yeah. So they they had five more sacks in BYU. So hey, kudos to that. I was just looking at the box score. It shows they have no QB hurries. So it looks like they completed their hurries. I'd say. Great. Right. Yeah, no, uh, but the defense has been good. Like, not remarkably so, but, you know, 27 points, 13 points, 28 points against when they were super banged up against Nevada, 10 points, a weird 34-point game last week against Hawaii, and then 31 against... San Jose State, but that doesn't really tell the story, I don't think. They're just a, a solid defense that's going to keep the offense in games, and they've done a good job because they forced turnovers, uh, especially over the last few weeks. They forced um, the year just one fumble yesterday, which, you know, not, not the greatest in the world, but they did have um, and no interceptions, but over the past few weeks, the turnover numbers have been up, which is good. And uh, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the Utah State defense because I think they've been a really good part of the season. Another few, uh, I'm just going to give some shout outs here. Mm, nice. um, and then one anti shout out. Uh, shout out Calvin Tyler. Just a really slow start to the season through that Alabama game, didn't really have anything going was really struggling and then about the air force game he really took off when when the season kind of turned around and almost every week he puts up 100 yards yesterday had 125 and three touchdowns a really productive back who has been really great for utah state he is a senior he's not coming back next year he's had a good year for for utah state i believe i want to say let me just click here and look at his career stats for this he is just now about 22 yards away from a thousand yard season i would imagine he'll pick pick that up against boise next week that's very important to him uh he's said that several times on our broadcasts throughout the year he has never had a thousand yard season in college it'd be very cool if he got a thousand yard season in uh this year by putting up some numbers uh against a Boise State team that lo- looks beatable now so that's a very interesting game next Friday by the way I think um I yeah think I mean could... Boise State's already punched their ticket to the conference championship game um it's I mean it's for the for for Boise State I mean there's not a lot on the line because they have nothing to lose um I, I could see Utah State coming out loose as well and you know, I'm sure they want to get a a good win to remind everybody, you know, they're only a year removed from being uh, Mountain West Conference champs, and they're going to try to come back next year and uh, hopefully put, you know, hopefully put some of those demons that um, besiege them in their non-conference schedule to bed. So that, that, that's that's my assessment going into the game. Yeah, it's it's a rivalry game. I think both games, both teams will be up for it. Um 
but yeah, I, I think that's very a very, very interesting game to keep an eye on. And one of the games, honestly, I'm most excited for overall in week 13 yeah. uh, across uh, across the nation. Uh, Brian Cobbs, shout out him, 10 receptions, 122 yards. Also a senior, also probably not coming back next year. Boy, he was just so good this year. Like, no one's – after the year Devin Tompkins had last year, it's going to be hard to replace that. Yeah. And nearly impossible because well, of – Especially with the inconsistency they had at quarterback. Because of just how good Devin Tompkins was. But, man, Brian Cobbs, especially with the problems they had at quarterback all year long – he really produced quite a bit this year. It feels like he was putting up between like 70 to 100 yards a game every single week. Brian Cobbs, very, very good player. Uh, unfortunately, I think he, it's time for him to leave. But, man, what what a fun one-year run that was. That he, he he was a very good wide receiver. Well-needed yeah. transfer, yep. Yep, and, and that, that gives me – uh, some confidence in the coaching staff that they can go out and and maybe next year find another wide receiver that can help out. Meanwhile, the guy I was high on all off season, I don't know if you remember talking about this in in like August for maybe our previews, but Xavier Williams, he is no longer on the team. He yeah. never even he, he never even basically saw a snap. Oh, Apparently. well, yeah. yeah. Good year. I yeah the same the same year I did. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, never saw a snap. But I, I think better than your year because I heard he had big character issues. So, you know, I, I would not define you as well, uh, was, character issues. Uh, well, hey, it depends on who you ask. Depends on who you ask me. Uh, my one anti shout out, um, Cooper Lega. Mm-hmm. Let's hear I get it. Okay. Scale. 244 yards and a touchdown. That's really good for like a G5 quarterback. But it feels like every week he throws killer interceptions. Literally every week on schedule just does not do a good job of not turning the ball over. And I know that experience could change that. You could roll with him into next year and make the argument that, oh, he's got experience now. He's not going to make those same mistakes. But I still think if you go into next season with Cooper Lega as your plan A, when the transfer portal is available to you and Blake Anderson has shown he's done a good job at evaluating the transfer portal, like don't be afraid to try and go upgrade a quarterback. That's what I would say to the coaching staff. Just don't be afraid to go try and upgrade a quarterback because for as much as a, a, a Utah state legend as Cooper Lega is, he'll always have that bowl game and he's, he's had quite a few wins, you know, he had a QBR of 44 yesterday. Uh, like it, it, it wasn't pretty. And I just don't think you can roll into next year with him as plan A, B, and C. You need to go out and, and find someone established to come in and, 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 and be competition for him. You know, Eric, this is actually going to be a great segue into talking about the Utah game. Do you want to, do you want to go into the Utah game? Yeah, Utah game. Uh, I fell asleep at the end, so I didn't catch the heartbreak part. But then, I mean, because... it, here, here's here's how I would summarize the end to you. 
both it seemed like both teams had zero interest in winning at the end of the game because uh, it was it was kind of astounding how you know I understand both teams had quarterbacks that were extremely banged up. Um, I've I've felt that Rising's been hurt since the USC game, um, and I think statistically that's not a unreasonable speculation to have. Um, but it it was astounding at the end of the game. You know, Utah had every opportunity to win. Um, missed passes by rising. Uh, I believe he had an interception at the end of the game as well to complement his three interceptions for the game. Um, it, I think is it's just the story of Utah's season this year is like they're right there on the doorstep, you know, but they they just they they couldn't they couldn't win. I think that's been that's how all three of their losses have gone. Maybe not the UCLA one as much, but the this the sad truth is you have to look at this team and attribute at least two of those three losses directly to Cam Rising. And I, I think that's maybe a hard pill to swallow, but I, I don't see how it's not not objectively true. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, I, to me, it's hard to put <clears throat> hard to put everything on Cam Rising. But... I I'd say it comes down to like a couple of key plays, right? He last night, he, you know, I, I'm not sure if you caught this part, but a key fourth down, um, you know, they, they did, they did a little, um, just a little out play to find to get, uh, uh, what's his name? Kincaid open, right. To just pick up a little two, three yard gain rising, throws it at his feet, uh, turn, turns the ball over. Utah would get the ball back again, but that was a pretty consequential, um, consequential play um yeah I, i'm pretty sure you missed that because that was in the last uh maybe, maybe you might have caught it it was that with six minutes and 54 seconds left no i uh, fell asleep about the 10 minute mark unfortunately gotcha. but you know i i will tell you this austin i understand your point because sometimes Sorry. i have espn ad there wow that was embarrassing no it's Go okay Sometimes I have a hard time when I do these podcasts of multitasking, like I'll pull up the stats or whatever, and I'll just get kind of engrossed in them and I'll kind of forget to listen. But immediately when I pulled up the box score to this, right, as you were getting into camerizing, I looked at it and I was like, oh, my God, camerizing through three interceptions last night. Yes, he was. He was not good. Like What? A Kyle Whittingham quarterback throwing three interceptions. When's the last time that happened? Like, um, that might be worth something uh, worth research. That's worth a dig. Yeah, I don't. I'm trying to, but I, I really don't. I can't. I can't think. I can't think of a game where Huntley did that. Tyler Huntley. I can't. And I can't a, think of a game that Cam Rising has done that. Yeah, easily his worst game in a in a Utah uniform. Yeah, Easy. I mean. So, so terrible. QBR of 33. I mean, worse than Cooper Lega. Um, Man, yeah, he, he was really struggling. That said, I really hated the people out there on Twitter, all those numbskulls who are like, hey, like, it's time to bench Cam Rising. And it's like, please, come on now. Like, no, I, no, I, no, I think no, ultimately no. He, he was the guy who would have given them the best chance to win. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, we haven't seen any any semblance of Nate Johnson's arm, like what he brings to the table. We've just seen him come in and on on, you know, draw plays. I, I don't think he's thrown a pass this season. I think he um, threw I, one for a touchdown last week. 
Okay, nice. So an e easy enough, right? So not not a huge sample size to go off of. Um, and obviously, you know, we saw Bryson Barnes played the Washington State game, barely squeaked out a win there. I think ultimately it was the right call going with rising or, or keeping him in the game. Um, I don't think the other two guys could have done any better. At least I don't have that much confidence they could have. Um, but I, I, I think it just goes back to my original point is like rising has been bad since the, the USC game. Um, and my suspicion is that he's been, he, he got pretty injured. I think that's something that's going to come out probably when the season ends, maybe this week, who knows, maybe, maybe he won't even finish the year. Maybe he won't, he won't play in Colorado. Maybe he won't play in the bowl game. Um, but I, I yeah, honestly, that's a really good point, Austin. Like, especially if he thinks he's going to go to the NFL, uh -huh. it does not make a lot of sense for him to suit up the rest of the year. Right. And I, so I, I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I think it's too bad, especially considering the magic that was experienced last year with him at quarterback. Um, I, I, but I, I think you really do have to look at Utah's two most glaring losses. Um, I think Florida and this one, the two games that really got away. And you have to say that it was it, that but poor decisions and or poor execution by Cam Rising were directly attributed attributable to the outcome of that game to both of those games, and yeah. uh, that's too bad. It really is. You know that's that's absolutely a fair point. It is absolutely a fair point by you, Austin. Uh, I, I I think that you can absolutely point to where where we're at right now and say cam rising is a reason that this season didn't quite go as what we expected it to be and 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 to me it calls into question like what what really is cam rising's legacy at, at utah because i feel like it's it's very complicated on one hand he bought really the highest moment in program history to the team by mm -hmm. winning the pac-12 title last year yeah. That 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 still is like I know Utah fans and you know I I'm including them as like to think oh man we only lost by three to Ohio State in the Rose Bowl well you still did lose so you didn't technically win a Rose Bowl and and you you were Rose Bowl runners up not Rose Bowl champions right. uh, but he brought the program to its highest point but also. I mean, I think we can kind of zoom out now and and honestly talking about the Utes next week feels kind of pointless to be honest with you, because I think this is this was the season last night. Yeah, um, you know, like this. Now we can talk about we can kind of do a postmortem and I guess I'll, I'll just ask you this like. Is this the most disappointing season in program history? You know, if it, it, I, I've I made this parallel in an earlier show, maybe like two or three weeks ago, where this se this season for Utah football gives me the same feeling that last year's Utah Jazz team gave me, where you know just they had sorry about that didn't hit the mute button in time. Hey, no worries. Uh, you know they had tremendous success the year before, and you know of course that. You, when you have so many guys coming back and you have, you know, you have, it feels like you have every opportunity to re, to replicate that success and then add on some, it, it hurts when it doesn't happen. 
I hated the last, I hated last year's Utah jazz season. And I don't really like this year's Utah football season either. Um, you know, it, it's, it's to me, like we've, we've expressed our frustration all year round where we've, we've said this team is not playing up to their potential. This team is so much better than what they're putting out on, on, on the field, which is kind of crazy, right? Cause they, they, they've had a, like a fantastic year for by most program standards, right? Eight and three at this point is still really effing good. Um, and you know, they're, they're probably going to remain in the top 15, I'm guessing when the polls come out, but it, it just hurts. Cause you feel like they're they're They, they, there's a really good chance they could be undefeated right now. They only, they, I mean, that Florida game looks more and more, um, inexplicable by the week. Um, the UCLA performance was definitely a letdown and they could have won last night too. They, they, they had every opportunity to win last night. they there are there are very few reasons to believe this team could not be undefeated right now, and I think the fact that they're not hurts a lot, and I I, I would call that disappointment. Yeah, I mean, you put it really well. To me, th- this year was about learning what Utah is, and I, I do think that. I'm just going to say we here because you and I like we're we're not going to make bones about it. Like we're Utah fans. Like I think we thought for some reason that. Hey, we're we're Ohio State now. Mm-hmm. Like this is every year we are going to be in contention for this conference and for the college football playoffs. And I think we just learned that. They're not you know there's still utah there's still a team that's gonna have to deal with and 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 just to add my point sorry eric i I just had another thought like it's just like you look at the whole landscape of college football this year how effing different it is than years past a year where clemson's down alabama's down um you know i mean the the college football playoff the four teams that are going to qualify for the playoff are going to be dramatically different than they have been in years past. It felt like this was a really good opportunity for Utah to break in and be a part of that group. And the opportunities were there. They were there against Florida. They were, they were there at parts of the game against UCLA and they were most definitely there last night. And I think that's what hurts is like, it felt so wide open and so open for the taking and all it would have taken was just like a couple of adjustments, like a couple of plays better executed. And, and Utah would would be playing, would could be top, could be the third best team in the country, maybe even have a chance at being the top ranked team in the country if, you know, had things gone a little bit differently. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's totally fair. I just really do think that we kind of got lost, we, we kind of got, trapped after the rose bowl and and it's like oh look at us like we're gonna be like we're gonna be like michigan and like we it's every year our expectation needs to be the college football playoffs and the rose bowl and like the reality is that that cannot be what utah's expectations are it just it just can't be they don't like people tell me they do, but I, 
I don't believe them, honestly. Like, they do not have the same infrastructure those teams do. They do not, you know, have the same level of donor buy-in those teams do. They do not have the same NIL collective those teams do. Like, it's just different now. Like, they, you have to accept that Utah is just going to be, you know, a Wisconsin-type team. That you have to do really well in your state, and you have to hope that once every four or five years you hit on a team that's generational and you take care of business in the Pac-12. And they just, we thought they had it this year, but the defensive line wasn't as good as we thought it would be. To me, last night watching that game, I think the secondary has been overhyped for quite a while now. I, I know Clark Phillips is good, but Travis Broughton over the past month has not played very good football at corner. Uh, you know, I I don't know. It, it just, it is a disappointing year for Utah, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not too heartbroken by it because I, I kind of know that this is what Utah is. Like they're, they're a team that's going to win between eight and 10 games every year. And some years you're going to get lucky and you're going to make it to the Pac-12 title game and they got really lucky and played really good football the last two years and made it to back-to-back Pac-12 title games. And some years you're just going to have to go to like the holiday bowl or whatever and yeah. and, and play Texas and, and see if you can keep up with Texas. And, and, you know, and that's just kind of the way it is. I mean, I mean, there's still, there's another loss on Utah's schedule. Um, You know, I, they're, 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 they should be, regardless of who plays a quarterback, I'm of the assumption that it won't be rising. Just that's what my gut is telling me. I think he's I think he's going to choose. I, I It doesn't make any sense for him to play the rest of the year. Um, but whoever they, I think they're going to, they're going to sit down like they did against Texas in the Alamo Bowl a few years ago, and they're not going to put together a good game in the bowl game. Um, you know, they're going to finish the year nine and four. And it's a, it's, it's, it's only one game off of how they finished last year, um, but it's gonna it's gonna feel much like a like a much bigger chasm. Yeah, and then you know we have to ask the yearly question like Kyle Whittingham three weeks ago. I don't know if you've heard you've probably heard the interview by now, but during his weekly press conference, said he he feels um, a strong distaste for the way college football is heading. Like he hates NIL and he doesn't particularly like the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. And to me, as a guy who has said, he doesn't see himself coaching till his deathbed. Like this does like this year when you're losing your quarterback, when you're kind of in a transition year, this feels like the year for Kyle Whittingham. If he ever wanted to do a quick little exit, you know, this this could be it. So I think, I think that's very possible, and we, um, we we now have to take that into consideration. Yep, I, I think I think that's entirely possible. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, and, and he's and the, the the thing to consider is like Whittingham has a great exit strategy in his contract. I believe he, you know, I think there's something written in where he gets to consult with the athletic department for like. 10 or 15 years after his departure still gets a million every year. And I believe it's, it's even written in that. I think his grandkids get free tuition at the U, um, which is fair. 
for everything he did for that that university um but you know i mean his, the escape plan has already been written out and yeah i think you're right i think that the, it doesn't feel impossible this could be the time to to move on to the next phase of his life yeah i think that the next next year is going to be a transition year because for as much as utah fans might want to say well cam's going to come back like that that's not the way that this works like cam rising is going to go chase his money in the nfl tavion thomas will probably hit the transfer portal like Mm -hmm. this is just going to be a very clark phillips is going to leave for the draft like this is going to be a very different looking team next year. I just, yeah. you just get the feeling like it, it's just going to be a transition year. It'll be the, the Nate Johnson, Morgan Scally era. Yeah, we'll see. I'm still not sold that Kyle Whittingham leaves for sure, but you have to ask the question at this point um, and, and keep an eye on it and, and see and see what what he says he's not going to say anything this week because there's colorado still but like it wouldn't shock me if something comes out going into the bowl game or right after so mm-hmm. you know it's you know he, he knows how it works too like this is this is about to be the busiest time of year for that program as well uh because the transfer portal will open up in about a month and then you you have to be really if you want to remain a Pac-12 contender, you're going to have to be very aggressive in the portal because, you know, rolling in with a bunch of young guys next year might not be the key to success. So I've always felt like it's always, my perception has always been that it's important to Whittingham to, to turn the keys over to the program in a way that, you know, helps them continue to thrive. Um, I'm sure he wants to, I'm just going to conjecture that Morgan Scali will be the next head coach at the University of Utah, I'm sure he wants to give Scally every opportunity he can to, to be successful. And that means not, not, not vacillating or hesitating on making this decision. It, it could happen right around uh, maybe in the post-game inter- maybe the post-game press or the bowl game. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll keep an ear out for, for, for what might be happening, but definitely, unfortunately, Tough year for Utah. Uh, quickly, did just want to tell. It was a crazy day at college football. I don't know if you watched a ton of stuff. I, oh out. man, that TC that TCU game was fabulous. Nuts, absolutely nuts. There, uh, the like the fire drill kick at the end, absolutely awesome. Maryland, Ohio State. I watched most of that. That was extremely good. Maryland basically pushed Ohio State to the brink. Uh, it was a very very fun game. Uh, two his brothers pretty good. Uh, that's that's what I learned on that one. True. Michigan barely survives Illinois. That that was another one. And then honestly, the shocker of the day, South Carolina just comes out yes. and demolishes Tennessee and yeah. that's their playoff Spencer hopes. The Rattler looked like uh who he should have been, I guess. Yeah, I mean 438 yards, six touchdowns. I mean Holy cow. I mean, Tennessee, what a choke job by them. Which brings me to what I wanted to talk about here. You know, we're, we both like Utah. So I think we both by default like the Pac-12 because facts are facts. Like, here's the thing with, with rooting for college football. Like, you can hate your rivals and stuff, and that's fine. 
But really, you need to root for your conference, because if your conference wins, that means more money for everyone in your conference. And it's just a positive. Right. USC has an absolute we need to root for USC the rest of the way. 100%. Just no other way around it. USC needs to take care of Oregon next, you know, two weeks from now. Yep. in vegas and like usc needs to be in the college football playoffs and if they're not i mean honestly it's a huge blemish on lincoln riley's resume and kind you know i mean they're right on the doorstep right so they, yeah. i mean they just they have to play well it's it's not even it's not even a matter of like winning i mean winning obviously will be essential but like a, an attractive win where you know they Maybe, you know, they, depending on how Oregon lands, you know, it, it's, it's got to look good. It's got to be a good looking win. Um, th- they're fortunate that Ohio state and Michigan are going to eat each other. Um, I don't, I don't see a universe where both of them go to the college football playoff. Um, so, I mean, the opportunity is there, but it has, it has to be a really attractive win. Otherwise they'll probably go with LSU. They'll, they'll, they'll probably be more willing. The, 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 um, I, I think a two loss, SEC school has a better chance than than USC if they if they don't take care of business in a in a pleasing way. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that ends up. LSU, I kind of disagree with that take. Uh, I do think they lean more towards like a Clemson type, um, just because of. The fact they only have one loss. I, I do find it very hard that a two-loss team would make it to the college football playoffs from any conference. Uh, it shouldn't know. happen, but this has been a weird year. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess that's fair. I, I, I would say Georgia and – well, but the other thing is the, the Big Ten have two spots locked up because now that Tennessee has two losses, like no matter what – Oregon, both Ohio State and Michigan are locked in, no matter what happens no. next week. I, I'm, I'll be curious to see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just of the opinion they, they lean heavily towards SEC schools. So, um, I don't know. I guess we'll just see. And you know, it could all be for not. You know, they could give, uh, you know, Ohio State could win next week and win the Big Ten, and then it's Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, and T- if TCU wins out. So, you know, and it looks like TCU's going to win out. You know? Yeah, they're, they're good. Yeah, so, you know, we will we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, Austin. All right, Eric, so much. I appreciate you. This has been fun, even though there were some depressing things to talk about today. Uh, I'll see you next week. Uh, this podcast will be out later in the day or maybe Monday, maybe Monday. So, uh, but probably Sunday later in the day. All right. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. Peace out.